0: Sometimes a show you love will light a spark in
1: your heart, on the couch here with your family. But in the blink of an eye, it's all gone.
0: It's One and Done TV.
1: Hello, and welcome to One and Done TV. I am your co host, Ian Hamilton. And I'm his lonely servant, John Polking. Ian, don't hurt me. And this is a podcast where you'll (laughs) get a real wallop in if you don't cancel this TV show after one season or in the middle of it, eh, John? That's right,
0: Ian. Nope, can't do that one. Not good. Nope. So I'll just say that we are doing whatever a traditional British dance is on the graves of these shows. Figuring out what they did, what they left behind, and ultimately what made them one and done. Today, we are talking about I Want to Marry Harry. Harry, of course, is in quotes. But before we figure out who Harry is and why he is trapped between those pesky quotation marks, let's talk a little bit about what we are watching. Ian, you're going to regale us with more South by Southwest insider tips?
1: Uh, it's not really a tip. It's just a fun movie called Flamin' Hot, which I saw the premiere of. It's directed by Eva Longoria, who said I asked a good question, by the way. Okay. I don't know if you've ever been complimented by Eva Longoria, but I have. And uh, I wanted to bring it up because it's just this really fun movie about the invention of the Flamin' Hot Cheeto and it was uh, created by a guy who was a janitor at the factory for a long time. Now, the weird thing is when I brought that up to people at the festival, many people said, you know that story about the janitor is bull****, right? I was like, I don't know. I mean, I just met the real guy, like, seemed pretty genuine to me. So I don't know what the deal is with that. But the movie is very fun. I guess it's out or about to be out on Disney Plus and Hulu, Um And I want to give a shout out to my friend, or at least another filmmaker I'm friendly with, if friend is a little strong, uh, (laughs) word, Alejandro Montoya Marin, who was in the movie and is a great indie filmmaker out of Albuquerque. He writes and directs. His production house is called Push Start Films. And I'll give a shout out to another short that they did called The Wrong Guy, which had Kirk Fox in it. Also, and is a really, really fun movie about a bank teller. John? Who's Kirk Fox?
0: I know a Rick Fox. I know a Kirk Cameron. I don't know a Kirk Fox.
1: He is the guy in Parks and Rec that sent a picture of his junk to all the women.
0: That guy. Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, he's a great stand-up and really funny actor. Yes, exactly. And if it wasn't for Alejandro, I wouldn't have been able to talk to two-time Emmy winner Matt Walsh for a half hour about being from Chicago and comedy and stuff. And uh, shout out, Matt Walsh. Nice guy. It's nice when
0: those Veep actors are as nice as they appear on screen in Veep.
1: Yeah, everybody's so nice. It's really a show about holding hands and just like putting your head down and doing your work, you know? Right.
0: A real blue-collar story.
1: John, what have you been watching?
0: So we are going to be talking a little bit about the royal family today and a sort of fake version of the royal family as portrayed in this reality show so this weekend i saw the exact opposite of the royal family and i watched cocaine bear
1: <laughs> no actually that's pretty much how it was in the 1930s over there
0: oh okay yeah they just uh dropped uh their giant duffel bags of bricks of cocaine and just ran loose through the English countryside. Pretty much. That sounds about right. But it was fun. It had some big glaring holes in it and some weird choices where I was just like, why? Why do this movie? Because the bear's on cocaine, John. That's why. That was the thing that made the most sense. I was like, yes, cocaine is a hell of a drug. And especially in the Big, cuddly paws of a murderous black bear. So I had a good time with it. Really fun cast. I was really, really happy. I think most happy to see Brooklyn Prince, the little girl from the Florida Project, as the teenage daughter of Carrie Russell.
1: Okay. Because I love the Florida Project. Oh, yeah. That was a great movie. I I love the ending, too. Oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite movies of, like,
0: the millennia. Thus far.
1: One of your favorite movies or one of your favorite like Oscar contending movies? I feel like those are two. It was only nominated for
0: one Oscar, I think. Really? Yeah, I think Willem Dafoe was the only one that was nominated from that.
1: Interesting. So it wasn't
0: a big part of that conversation. It just moved me to many, many, many emotions. But I think it's time we wait, Ian, did you hear that?
1: Is it a cocaine bear? No, it's
0: it's Big Ben. And it's donging, show time, show time, show time.
1: Five, four, three, two, one, show time!
0: In 2014, a long-faced ginger played the part of Prince Harry in a modern-day romantic fairy tale dating show adaptation of Gaslight. Still, American audiences didn't fancy any more cups at that tea, as this ruse was canceled after one season. Today, Ian, I want to marry Harry. You can't see it, but I'm putting it in quotes. This is a reality show generally about a person who looks a little bit like Prince Harry. And it's a bachelor type show where women are trying to get the attention, fully believing that they are on a reality dating show with the Prince of Wales.
1: Or at least for a told that they're fully believing that he's the (laughs) Prince of Wales, and some of them seem to believe it, and some of them maybe not as much. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter.
0: Nope, we're still going to go along and get along with this uh, fun experiment. Ian, I don't have much affiliation with the royal family by blood or by interest. How about you?
1: Well, I am an avid watcher of The Crown, By which I mean, I think I still have one or two episodes left of season five. (gasps) Uh, It came out a couple months ago. Um, But I I love The Crown. I mean, I like history. uh, And because I'm in America and white, I'm pretty familiar with, you know, British colonial history. Um, I know, you know, the Windsor family is... uh, One of the royal European bloodlines where they're all related to one another and it's Mm -hmm. weird. It's weird, John. So I'm pretty familiar with like just European history and stuff, but uh, the royal family, it really is interesting. The more you look into the last hundred years, how really messed up it can be. So wait, you haven't watched The Crown at all? haven't watched the crown at
0: all i think the most pop culture exposure i have to the royal family was i watched diana the musical on netflix which is something there was music in it people did sing there was the line it's the Thrilla in manila with diana and camilla that's about the one line of any song in that show that i remembered
1: Wow, all the Emmys and Golden Globes it's won and you never watched The Crown, John. That's not really like you to be honest. No, but I just don't really care. I'll and... tell you the first 2 seasons are very interesting. And wait, what uh, the King's speech, right?
0: Yeah, okay, I watched the King's speech.
1: Okay, remember Guy Pierce's character who was a real person that abdicates the throne at the beginning so that Colin Firth can become king? Right. Wow. Fun fact. In diametric opposition to what you just said, the Nazis were talking to him during World War II uh, as a possibility for if they took over England and then put him back in charge. So that's kind of fun, right?
0: That's absolutely fun. And I think the two of us combined have more knowledge of uh, the royal family, mostly me with my exposure to Diana the musical than many people involved with I Want to Marry Harry. Essentially, what they do is they take 12 American women, and I was reading a little bit about the production of this. They flew them across the ocean, saying that they're going to be dropped in basically some European country, and then they isolated them in a hotel room for a week with no contact to the outside world, no phones, no TV, no books, which I know is a kind of common thing in particularly reality dating or competition shows, but yikes, that sounds like prison.
1: Did they have as much alcohol in the week before as they did during the show?
0: I wonder, I would hope, honestly, for just as something to do. I was reading an interview with one of the contestants who said she was begging the house staff of the hotel that they were in just to get her a pen and paper so that she could color. What? Yeah. So they take all these bewildered American women who are no older than 25, and they shove them onto a gigantic English
1: chateau. Manor?
0: Manor is the right one. Yeah, I think chateau is more French than I was aiming for.
1: Look, it's just French for manner, John. It's okay. <laughs> Question for you, because I only watched this show. You did research for it. Yeah. Why are they all American girls? I don't know. I
0: think Harry is supposedly fond of those Americans as was later proven to be absolutely correct four years later when he married Meghan Markle. I guess. He was also at that time kind of the party boy prince. You know, he would go to Vegas often and he was seen as sort of the adventurous member of the royal family. So I think it wasn't Too surprising that he would be potentially interested in American women with all of the time that he did spend in America.
1: Yeah, all of the fame and wealth of a monarch without being first in line for the throne.
0: Not the heir, but the spare, as is evidenced by the title of the book that he recently put out. One that I did not read because. Books are long, and we already do enough for you people.
1: Did you see the South Park episode about... I did. I really enjoyed it.
0: They respect our privacy as they're shouting around the town. Yes, I did enjoy it. The
1: worldwide privacy tour. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there are very real racial prejudices in the royal family that are very real and should be said out loud. But at the same time, I don't really have any sympathy for anyone that is that wealthy and that famous. I'm like, your problems are not real problems. I don't care.
0: It doesn't feel like it. No. And I think that was kind of the pitch for the show. It's like, are these women going to fall in love with this guy for who he is? Or are they just going to see the facade that is the royal family and try to... Be a part of that lap of luxury. But let's be clear this is not Prince Harry. This is a guy named Matt Hicks, who was a 23 year old environmental consultant at the time. And I mean, I don't really know Prince Harry that well, but other than the nose and the hair, which they did dye, he is ah. not a natural ginger.
1: Okay. Yes. I actually thought he looked decently like him. I mean, I get that he doesn't, but I was like, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. If you'd never seen him and if you weren't actually that familiar with him, I I, I would have seen him and been like, oh, I guess that's Prince Harry. I only sneer a little bit at
0: it because I was watching it and Elise came in and she's like, so what does this guy look like? I was like, well, here he is. And she's like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Right. Not even but
1: a you got to put it into... American Girls in 2014 when he probably was not dominating the news cycle as much, right? Yeah, that is that is completely fair. Okay, John, I have to ask you this right now. Why was Ryan Seacrest a producer on this and was it produced by his production company?
0: I'm very sure it was produced by his production company, It was a Fox reality show, too. Mm. Seacrest had his grubby little mitts all over everything Fox reality at that time. And this show actually premiered after the season finale, I think, of season 13 of American Idol.
1: John, I have to correct you there. They're beautiful mitts. Delicate mitts.
0: Oh, the daintiest. uh, The smoothest, too. Very rich mitts
1: as well. (laughs) Yet hardworking, okay? He's always grinding even if it's not physically. he do be grinding. He That man,
0: the schedule that Ryan Seacrest must have. So I have a feeling that he wasn't involved in too many of the creative decisions behind the total mind effery that was, I want to marry Harry. There was
1: Harry. one creative decision. Somebody somewhere saw someone that he's like, hey, that guy kind of looks like Prince Harry. And then all of a sudden, much like Einstein described when he created E equals MC square, it was a time in his life when there was a storm in his brain, John. That's Mm. a direct quote from Einstein. So I have to assume that whatever producer saw Matt Hicks thought he looks like Prince Harry. And then, oh my gosh, the storm clouds, the electricity, the connectivity. Wow. Just an explosion of creativity, John. And I got to think that somebody saw him and Boom! The atom was split. Mm. And I Wanna Marry Harry destroyed a small British manor.
0: Well, that is a beautiful story of the marriage between science and creativity. But you'd be wrong. Because they they had a multi-hundred person casting call for Prince Harry (laughs) lookalikes. Yeah. Okay. And... Prince Harry is not the only, like, actor on the show. They also give him sort of a butler named Kingsley, too, who is sort of his assistant.
1: Who's an accomplished actor. Did you look at his resume? Yeah.
0: I looked a little bit at it, and I sort of half-recognized him from a few different things. We yeah. could say his name, but you wouldn't remember it.
1: No, but I do, I, <laughs> I do want to just call him out for being involved because, like, this guy could not be a lower brow production and okay so his name's paul leonard and he was in les mis john and the darkest hour mamma mia here we go again so maybe we
0: should stop uh, listing his uh credits and we'll get to 1999's the... oliver twist john the tv miniseries after this commercial break
1: now a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Ian, and I'm trying to do this commercial as quickly as possible. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Hive Social at TV. Email us, oneanddonepod at gmail.com with any suggestions or thoughts. If you haven't hit the skip forward 15 seconds button yet, I will be amazed. Okay, enjoy the show. Highlights. 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 Highlights.
0: To kick off the highlights, it's important to understand the women who wanna marry Harry.
1: I wanna marry Harry.
0: And we all wanna, but who's gonna? There are 12 of them Uh, the 25-year-old is the old one, (laughs) as they call it out.
1: Was she also the smart one with the degree, or is that someone else?
0: It could have been multiple. I think there were two 25-year-olds in there, but the others were 22, 23, 24. And Matt Hicks was 23 at the time, too.
1: Right. I think the 25-year-olds were the old one and the smart one.
0: And generally, this is... The same kind of casting call and really, to the same premise as the show Joe Millionaire. Do you remember Joe Millionaire?
1: I recall that it was a thing, but I assume you watched it.
0: I did when it came out. They did two seasons of it in 2003. It was a reality dating show where they had this guy who was a farmer, but they put a tux on him and they said that he was a millionaire And the women that were competing for his affection believed that he was a millionaire. And then at the end, he said, I'm not a millionaire. And they may or may not have gotten with him or stayed with him after the fact. And it was one of the sort of early iterations of this fake reality show trickery that we started to see kind of popping up in the early 2000s. And we saw a bunch of concepts like some ones that we might do later on in the show. There's the Joe
1: Schmo show. My big fat obnoxious fiance, a favorite of mine. But then there was this period of nothing.
0: And then we get I want to marry Harry on Fox. So I think they were kind of banking on the idea that if we got these women, even if they had an understanding of that sort of period of pop culture, they'd be like, oh, we're long past that now. Right. But no. We instead get uh, 12 women who range from someone who is pre-med in sort of neuromolecular biology to a beverage representative in, from Chicago, Illinois, to who a naughty preschool teacher.
1: The most beverage directory person from <laughs> Chicago, Illinois, I've ever seen. And we're both from Chicago.
0: Yes, we are. She was basically sweating my Lord. (laughs) So to understand some of these women, I had some superlatives that I thought we could give out. The first one is most pleasant. Ian, who did you think was the most pleasant of the 12 women?
1: Oh man. Okay. See, this is tough because I have six of the women that I distinctly remember. And as I was watching the show, I was like, there are six of these women that just blend together for me.
0: Okay, then let's start with the superlative Most Forgettable. I was going to save that for last, but (laughs) you got six finalists for Most Forgettable. Who are you going with? Who is the most forgettable human being?
1: Funny enough, I think I'm going to say Jackie or Mm. Tacky Jackie, as she was called. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why she was called that, because she didn't leave any impression on me, and somehow she lasted until second to last episode, I think.
0: No, she got sixth. Okay,
1: 12. Yeah. pretty good though, pretty good
0: She did do really well See, I'm going to go with the second place person, Karina I found her to be completely forgettable just as a human being And she made it all the way to the finale
1: Wives aside, John, and, and Harry aside Because if I was going to marry anyone on the show, I would marry It'd be Harry. me
0: Oh Oh I really, okay so just keep talking.
1: Uh no, Karina was kind of my little heartthrob on the show. She was the one I was rooting for.
0: I was I liked her,
1: but But you forgot about her.
0: I did. He said this about a few of the women, and he said it I think most about Karina, but he was just like, She has a little twinkle in her eye. I'm like, okay. Does oh. she have a personality? I don't think so. But
1: <laughs> Kept saying things like, she's got a glint in her eye that says all sorts of things. I like a girl with a mischievous side. And he Mm. said that about like five or six of them. Yeah.
0: All six of them completely forgettable. Most pleasant, though. Let's go back to that. Because we want to be positive here. I'll go first. I found Kimberly, the ultimate winner, to win me over the most. She was dubbed as like a social worker, but then I saw an interview with her where she's like, oh, I'm an actor, but they just didn't want me to put on actor.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I babysat once. So they said social worker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like right from the get
0: go, she was like, I don't care if he's hairy or not. She just had a nice air about her and she was really good at cricket. Do you remember the episode where they played cricket? She did a really good job at cricket.
1: And I think what he ended up liking about her too was that she wasn't in your face. She wasn't playing for the cameras or anything. Uh she was just like pleasant to be around and nice to him. hmm And also beautiful because all the women on the show are beautiful. They are. He kept
0: saying that over and over too. He's like You're quite they're so beautiful. They're beautiful, so strong. Beautiful,
1: lovely, gorgeous.
0: I think you're getting a little into Ringo there.
1: I thought the beautiful, lovely, gorgeous.
0: (laughs) How about you? Most pleasant.
1: I'll probably go with Rose, who was the first winner of the day. So the way that it's set up is that at the end of each episode, someone gets sent home and someone gets to stay in the crown suite. Right. She was the first one to stay in the crown suite, right?
0: Yeah, she was.
1: So I thought she was really pleasant and then she was given a lot of airtime in the first episode and then the last like two episodes but really not much in the middle. Um what was funny to me about her was the first night that she was in the crown suite. She was like, "Oh my gosh, I just couldn't have imagined I'd ever be in a place like this." And she's like looking at all the little teacups and stuff <laughs> and like it was a nice room but it wasn't crazy. No, it was a queen-sized bed. With a little dining table there and a tea set. Yeah. You know, and then these women would, you know, win it for the night, and they just have to gush over it for the cameras, and they'd, like, show them, like, not snooping around, but just, like, looking at every little detail in awe, and it's not that beautiful of a room.
0: Maybe it was just the like aftershock of the PTSD that they had just gone through, because it's important to know that for the mechanics of this show, at the end of every episode, he would essentially isolate two women, and one would go to the crown suite, and the other would be sent home. And he would make it as opaque as possible. Like, you never knew what direction he was going to go in, or at least seemingly but i would guess that they probably like kept these women in a room for a while as he filmed whatever other half it, of it it was and then sometimes they won and sometimes they didn't and it was just weird and tense and it was always awkward. at
1: the end of the day after they had all been drinking a lot <laughs> and there was this thing where he'd call in two women and if you weren't called in you were safe but you wanted to be his favorite. So there was all this tension of like, I want my name to be called. But then if your name is called, it's like, oh my God, am I going home? And then they would make him drag out the, like, I like you, we did these things, but you're going to... And
0: meanwhile, they're just sobbing
1: there was so much crying during these parts <laughs> and it was, he kept talking about throughout the show, how mean he felt lying that he kept saying he was hairy, but really he's not. And I was like, this is definitely the meanest part of the show. Okay. Yes. Like they're all on TV. They know there's some kind of gimmick happening here. Uh I think they could put up with it, but the fact that you're not hairy, but, like, there really is some gaslighty, emotional puppeteering going on here. That oh, we'll is get to that later. Mostly the producer's fault. I'm not going to blame him for that. But
0: Yeah, there was a lot of that. We, we'll have <sighs> a full discussion about that later.
1: So anyway, most pleasant is Rose.
0: I am all for that. Uh, Rose was also a preschool teacher, but she also designated herself a naughty preschool teacher.
1: Oh, yeah, during the pageant she, like...
0: Even before the pageant, she was like, you know, I'm not your average school teacher. And I was like,
1: who did you think was the most genuine? Kelly, unfortunately, because she (laughs) really seemed to be invested. Either she's a great actress or they told her in episode five or whatever that uh, he was Prince Harry. And she dug her heels in and she started off as this like nice, genuine girl from the South with this cute accent to being like, I'm into you. I'm in love with you. All these girls are here for the wrong reasons. I'm the only one here who is pure of heart and deserves to pull the sword from the stone. I will take down anyone to get my prize. Harry, you love me the way I love you or else I'll kill you. Something like that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I think you... Spot on. I closed my eyes for a second, and I believed I was watching the show again. Yeah. She had this air about her that, by the end of it, scared the ever-loving crap out of me. I don't know how genuine she was, though. Like, I mean, she definitely wanted him to be Harry, but... She would, I guess, do anything. And she said this multiple times in so many iterations. Like, I will do anything, including multiple times telling him about conversations that other women were having behind his back and really throwing them under the bus. It was very much a other people need to lose so that I can win.
1: And she was the only one that he, like, clearly liked but did not feel romantic about because he'd have these steamy makeout sessions with the other women. And with her, it would be like, hey, great time, a eh, cuz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fist bump. <bomb>. I mean, <laughs> the fact that she lasted until the last episode or the second to last episode— She got third place, yeah. Right, right. I think either she really did come across as genuine to him or the producers just saw how they could mold this sort of like sweet to dark storyline for her and just like played it up like crazy.
0: Yeah, that the latter seems to be more of what could have happened because, I mean, like from episode three or whatever it was, There was like one time Kingsley is introducing a group date or something. He's like, does anybody miss home? Everyone's like, yeah. And Kelly just looks straight at him and is like, nope, I'm here. I already marked my territory. Check the closet.
1: And I'm like, no, Kelly, don't go in the closet. You know how you know I love you so much? Because I'm tearing your heart out with my teeth. That's how devoted I am. I'll kill you. I love you so much.
0: John, what about you? (laughs) (laughs) Most genuine for me, gotta be Maggie. Oh, sweet Maggie.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, she didn't have a filter, if that's what you mean. Absolutely.
0: Yes. So Maggie is the aforementioned full-throated Chicagoite who would just get lit Every chance she got, like, there were multiple times where she was just drunk and she was like, so what? I enjoy a cocktail. But then anytime they took her aside, she was just like, I really feel a connection to him and I just don't want my drinking to get in
1: the way. But then she'd be like, pour me another. She was really the catalyst for most of the drama starting off the show because She would get really drunk, and then she'd be loud with, like, one or two of the other women that were kind of drunk and loud. And everyone would be like, shut up, Maggie, you're drunk. And she'd have, like, her couple defenders being like, don't yell at Maggie for being so drunk. We're drunk, too. And then they're like, (laughs) you're mean girls. And, like, you're the mean girls because you're calling us mean girls. And they're like, you're drunk. And they're like, we're drinking. I think you...
0: Absolutely nailed most of the fighting that happened on this show. That was the big sort of thrust of the drama, more so than the mystery behind, who is this man? It was a lot of just women screaming at each other about absolute freaking nonsense.
1: Well, the two catalysts for drama really were Maggie's drinking and Megan's magnificent one-liners. (laughs)
0: Ian, did you write down the
1: uh, crown jewel, if you will, of uh, of insults? And there are more like this, but the absolute best one is, your head is so far up your ass that if I ate alphabet soup and it out, it would make more sense than what you're saying right now.
0: Beautiful. She also at one point said, is there a crack pipe that people are passing
1: around? Because I didn't hit it. This might not have been Megan, but this is good enough to have been said by Megan. She goes, I think that Stevie Wonder could see that Maggie enjoys the red wine too much. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yikes. A little too far there.
0: Yeah, so my next category is uh, most competitive, and I was going to say Megan. Megan is your very stereotypical mean girl. She also has like weird chemistry with him too. And he clearly feels it as well, but she doesn't call him Harry or sir, which we'll get into in a second, but she always calls him babe. Babe is over there looking at me. And babe is the one that's having eye sex with me. She refers to him and her having eye sex frequently.
1: And she like pinches his butt. She says, we're having great steamy hot eye sacks and there's a little footsie going on under the water. hmm
0: And I was like, where's that foot? And I think we knew exactly where it was. And Megan was the only one to be eliminated after an already scheduled elimination because of her complete chaos that she injected into the group dynamic that all the women had.
1: Which her expulsion was probably the best lie that they had to be like, okay, this is going to convince everyone that you're Harry because he really liked Megan. He may have even hooked up with her in a tent after some fireworks. We're not totally sure. There was a pan away.
0: We'll say that.
1: There was a pan away and there was a bed in that tent. But he really got along with her. It wasn't until Kelly was like, hey, you should know how Megan is treating the other girls. And then they get into a fight when he's there finally, and they're all fighting with her. And then he kind of interrogates them one by one about like, what do you think of Megan? What do you think of Megan? And when he expels her from the manor later that night, he says something about like, I'm in a lot of social events, and I can't be with somebody who doesn't get along with other people, basically, or can't keep the peace with other women. And I was like, wow, that actually, that would make sense for if someone involved in the royal family was dumping you. They might even be like, I love you, but you're not a good diplomat.
0: I love you, but grandma has... A dartboard with your face on it in Buckingham Palace. And she's been hidden bullseye frequently.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those eyes have so many holes in them, they're basically just ripped out.
0: Did you have anyone that you thought was more competitive than Megan?
1: Uh, I I think I have to give it to Kelly again. Because she was the one that was uh, willing to spill the tea and stir the pot to his face. The rest of them kind of were playing mind games to each other. But she mm-hmm. was part tattletale, part Backstabber. Part Megan from the movie Megan. Part Robot, exactly. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah, and she sang that beautiful song that made me cry <laughs> laugh. Um, yeah, but she, uh, she really came out as being competitive because it was like she would do anything to win. She cleaned the stables, you know, she shoveled the horse poo in the hay. She proudly dragged herself through the mud and did the obstacle course, like, harder and faster than any of the girls who were all more concerned with looking pretty, which I don't blame them for, but she was like, no, I'm going to get down in the mud and the dirt. I'm going to win this thing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if she just, like, finished the end of it just like ripped out her back left molar and was like what else you got and that gets me into sort of the other element of the show that we haven't talked about yet which is these sometimes lavish sometimes kind of brutal and excruciating physically demanding dates that they would go on too because they would get whisked away sometimes on individual dates, and they could be like a helicopter ride or it could be like horseback riding.
1: Hot air balloon.
0: Hot air balloon, an excellent example.
1: Kelly even did a backflip off of that canoe and hit her head. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I can't believe I forgot about that. She was. And he was like, Hey, uh, she's like, I'm going to backflip into the water. And he's like, Hey, don't hit your head on that thing, though. And she's like, I won't. And then she did. <laughs> she did a backflip off of a rowboat and fully concussed herself. Maybe that was the
0: origin story for Evil Kelly. Oh, that's when the switch was flipped. I think that was it, you know, because Kelly before brain injury was perfectly pleasant girl from mobile alabama just enjoying the ride kind of into this guy and then after head injury um she was reprogrammed and went on dating show version of killing spree john she hit her head what's your
1: excuse well i think it's just years of TV and Mountain Dew for me. But some of the dates were also like simple things like just playing a game of tennis or bringing Kelly to a 50s diner, which actually I thought kind of worked for her. But there were some really lavish ones. And then some that the women came away being like, "Uh, why did we do that? That wasn't something I wanted to do. They
0: did, though, in the sort of final three dates, because when it was down to the final three... They let the women pick the dates. Right. Or no, it was the final four. Sorry. And Kelly took him on a bike ride. And like Karina had like a wine tasting and Rose was just kind of sitting by a fire. But then frickin' Kimberly, they rigged up a giant crane and made him do bungee jumping in the backyard of this manor.
1: That Felt like a producer thing to me, though, because they're like, oh, well, Harry's an adrenaline junkie. He's always doing crazy stuff, so he'll love bungee jumping. And then Matt Hicks was terrified on the way up. And that was like a big test to be like, are they not going to believe it's Harry anymore?
0: What is a dating show without psychological warfare? Am I right? True. Those were some of the individual dates, though. There were a lot of group kind of dates, though, too. Usually some of them weirdly involving American quote-unquote values. There was like an American state fair where they didn't do a hot dog eating contest. They did a corn dog eating contest, which seemed very difficult. My kind of contest, though, I love
1: corn dogs.
0: I do, too. Would have a corn dog over a hot dog almost any day of the
1: week. John, there's a restaurant down here in Austin (laughs) called Top Notch that serves corn dogs as a side to your meal Uh, instead of fries.
0: I would drown there. I would drown in breaded corn. That's how I want to go. Exactly. You know, stick a wooden spear in me and uh, put me in the fryer because boy, howdy, I would be dying happy.
1: And then have that little bit that you have to eat that's like in the middle, but you can't Really get to it without spearing the top of your mouth. So you have to eat it like corn. Get it in me.
0: There's one more big thing I want to talk about before we take a break. And that is just the overall ruse that they had going. So one of the big things that they did was that they didn't say, you are all dating Prince Harry. Now, right at the outset, they would go about saying, He is Sir. They kept calling him Sir. Kingsley would be like, Sir is ready for you. Sir is going to stick his tongue down your throat right now. They never knew his name until episode five, so halfway through the show. And I thought that was a really interesting choice. What did you think of that choice?
1: I thought it gave it some forced, albeit interesting drama, because, or at least arc to the season. Because if you tell everyone that this is Prince Harry at the beginning, then everyone has to either believe it or poke holes in it for eight episodes. Whereas this gave them like, hey, this is a wealthy person, a- an important aristocrat from Europe, well, from England, obviously. but uh, so then they, you know, gave us three episodes of speculating, right? And then they were able to grow the spectacle adding in moments where like security had to whisk him away mm-hmm. or you know paparazzi were chasing after them or whatever it was uh, early on to sort of grow this like okay we know he's important maybe it's Prince Harry I don't I think it is and then midway through we can be like yes it's Prince Harry so that then the speculating can be heightened when the choice isn't like, who is he? Now it's, he's either Prince Harry or he's anyone else, and we don't know. And then they can start poking holes in the Harry thing, which gives us two episodes of that. And then, (laughs) you know, then near the end, we can have one woman who's convinced he's not. And then at the very end, he can do the reveal. So it gives the season, I think, a more interesting series of arcs as opposed to just, one arc.
0: I agree with that and I think my favorite of those sort of plants that they would have like the paparazzi or the security was they photoshopped Matt Hicks into a photo with Prince William and they just conveniently placed it behind him right. when he and I think Karina were like eating breakfast in the Crown Suite and she's like is is that you and your brother and he's like yeah I'd like to take it with me wherever I go. I'm
1: just going to pop to the loo for a second. When I get up, this conveniently placed photo will be there. This cheap-ass plastic-framed, half-assed, photoshopped
0: photo of this guy. Oh, it was it was delicious to watch. Almost as delicious as that corn dog looked.
1: That was one of the most produced moments of the show to me. Mm-hmm. I thought that they did a decent job of and if you haven't listened to the podcast before I've worked in a lot of unscripted television so I'm pretty sensitive to moments where I feel like the producers are placing ideas or sentences into people's heads and mouths and you know they're like this will be a great moment let's force our way into getting it on screen right this was the most produced moment like that to make it like like for other ones when there's paparazzi, right? Obviously the paparazzi are forced to try to make the women think that it might be Prince Harry or someone important. But for this, it was like, okay, we're going to have this picture here. You, you believe that's him. Okay. You believe it. You do this. You do this. Look at this
0: dangling watch that I'm holding in front of you.
1: Believe Believe, believe. Exactly. They're like, we will write you off the show tonight if you do not pretend to believe this. Because they did that to two other women. (laughs) Seriously, the only two women
0: that were like, this isn't Prince Harry. They were like, okay, bye, bye, bye. Please leave. Well, do you believe that we are going to renew this show or do you believe we're going to cancel it? Find out when we take a commercial break. I put that in quotes. And we'll come back with our verdicts and the Dunzo Awards. And now a word from our sponsors. Well, it's that time. Greenwich time, if you will. Greenwich Mean Time. Thank you. I knew there was an M in there and I did not know what it meant. But I want to know what you mean, Ian. Okay. Would you?
1: (laughs) Would you renew? I would renew, John. Yeah. Can you believe it? Because I historically do not have a fondness for reality shows. I still think even after watching this, I'm like, I wouldn't watch The Bachelor. But I think that the gimmick here was pretty strong. And I think that they probably overly produced a lot of it behind the scenes, but it didn't show too much. Like the women felt pretty genuinely into either him or into the idea of it being Prince Harry. Um, Mm -hmm. I bet it was fake because all this stuff is always fake, but it enhanced the genre to me. I, I thought it was good. And above The Bachelor, above Joe Millionaire, It's like, this is a person that is one of the wealthiest, most powerful people on the planet, right? At least most famous, most
0: recognizable.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, marrying into the royal family is a big deal, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's not just about career or money. It's about status and power as well, right? Yeah. So- Even if some of these women didn't really believe it was Harry, I bet they wanted to because of just the idea of what that could do for you would be huge. The idea that he would have a dating type reality show is kind of hilarious to me, but I guess his personality matches it enough, or at least his sort of party boy persona back then matches it enough to make it seem not as far-fetched as you'd think so that they could believe it Mm -hmm. um the fact that maybe they could have believed it or at least wanted to believe it shown through to me I thought it was very attractive part of this show and I thought it heightened the stakes tremendously from a normal dating show I think if you watch dating shows I don't know how you feel But for me, being forced to watch it, I loved it. I thought Maggie and Megan stirred everything up really well, and I also liked that the women that were over it were, like, so over it. Then Kelly, you know, having this, like, I'm just a sweet girl from Alabama being to, like, I will rip out your heart, and I will (laughs) feed it to my dogs and myself at dinner. I will cook it and put it on a plate and I will seat my dogs in chairs and teach them how to use forks and knives, and we will all dress up nice and eat your heart as a human dog family.
0: I'm impressed you read that all out uh, from the words that Kelly used in the show. Oh, yeah, I wrote the whole thing down. She said said that that exact quote.
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't know. The gimmick worked for me, man. It really did. And then the women involved were... Uh, Intuit enough and spiteful enough that it read as somewhat genuine, at least. But enough about me, John. And you know what? Wives aside, marriage aside, John, would you marry Harry? (coughs) Would you renew? I would
0: reluctantly renew (laughs) the show. Man, I did not feel good about myself watching this thing, but (laughs) dang it if I didn't have a good time. And it only got more fun and weird as it went on. For everything you just said, it was really surprisingly tight, which I appreciated. And that's a big complaint I have about dating shows in general, is that they drag and drag and drag. But I think the focus on the women in the show made it clip along a lot better than if they had focused on him. Because frankly dude was a dud and that was i think a constraint of the show itself like one of the big complaints that he has about the women throughout the show and it's even a reason why he eliminates some of them is he talks about i didn't feel like she let me in and i'm just like bitch you are playing a fake ass person like <laughs> give them a little leeway because we are not seeing any of your
1: personality if it even exists he has to give a reason though and he has no personality so that he just comes up with that to say i know and
0: i wish i got to know like the guy matt hicks a little bit more
1: other than just that one shot of him shoveling in a reflective vest (laughs) that they used several times (laughs) there was also the one where he was looking
0: out his second story window, not wearing a shirt. Okay. Right. Right. There was that one too, but looking longingly out a window, not maketh the man.
1: Yeah. They should have had more of his real life inserted into this. In or order just for us a to little bit about more him.
0: about him because all we saw of him was just how crappy he felt about being in the situation that he was in. Like that's, I think, the biggest peak that we got. And honestly, I thought that was compelling drama too, of him being like, you know, for example, Kelly. He's like, she really believes me, uh, and she has already tattooed my name on top of her forehead. She and taught. I feel all bad, of her bad dog's about
1: that. English, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like British English too, not yeah. Mobile, Alabama English. And I wish there was a little bit more to him than just being a guy who willingly participated in something that he felt bad in. You know, it was very Faustian in that way, if I'm using that correctly. You know, uh, deal with the devil sort of stuff. Yeah, that's Faust. Beyond that, though, it was, it was fun to watch. And it was tight. And they did a really good job editing it and... Making sure that they didn't dwell on some stuff for too long.
1: Like, if anyone asked him a question that was, like, tough for him to answer without giving too much away, like, they didn't linger on that. They didn't drag it out or anything.
0: Yeah. So, fast forward the first two and a half minutes of every episode because the episode doesn't actually start until two and a half minutes in, but... Give it a go if you want to feel bad about yourself and you don't feel like uh, going to the bottom of that red bag of Doritos that you are so inclined to eat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you've been seeing Doritos all over your TV screen for the last year? We are
0: losing our minds. Well, our fake prince may have given out his heart, but we still have some Dunzo awards to give out. That's right, it's time for the Dunzo Awards. These are the superlatives that we give out to every show that we watch. It could be inside of a big red phone booth. It could be on the left side of the road. Wherever it is, we have decided to give these shows. They're just crumpets. Ian and I each have two Dunzo Awards to give out. Ian, what is your first Dunzo Award?
1: Mate. The Nightmare Award goes to Rose (coughs) for... Her last episode, when she's the first one to be like, This is definitely not Harry, even though they're getting along. And she becomes distant from him because of it, and he eliminates her. But there is this great flashback sequence when she's like, Looking back on some of those things, I'm realizing that they might have been staged. And then it's just like <laughs> cuts of her, like looking to the left. And then, you know, with, like, a sort of foggy, you know, dreamlike sequence of, like, the paparazzi and the security. And what were other things that they did to try to make it seem like he was Harry? There was another thing
0: where, like, women were on a bridge as he was on a boat underneath it. Right. And they were like,
1: oh, my God, it's Prince Harry. So they and just cut these... Uh, Images of like her, like looking confused and like looking to the left or like cocking her head or whatever, with all of those moments. And they just made it like this really poorly constructed montage that just looked like something out of like a bad lifetime movie. It was so funny to me. Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: I do. It was like if the end of Fight Club. Was done on like QuickBook Pro.
1: <laughs> yes. So that was just a really funny moment that stuck out to me and was like nothing else in the show. John, what is your first Dunzo Award?
0: My first Dunzo Award is the unjustifiably difficult award. And that unfortunately goes to Chelsea. Chelsea was the only Black contestant on the show. And she immediately got dubbed as somebody who was confrontational and aggressive and mean by some of the mean girls in the group of contestants. And it was brutal to watch the way that she kind of got treated just for not really giving a crap about what other women thought of her because she was just like, I'm here for the guy and for the show and I don't need to be friends with any of you. And I don't really like any of you that much, but like, let's just keep living on. And they would just like scream at her and try to alienate her in that way. So much so that she is the only woman who left of her own volition during the run of the show. She had him walk a quarter mile across the great lawn outside of the manor to the one bench that she was sitting on so that she could have a conversation with him about how basically the women were mean to her and she didn't feel like dealing with it anymore. And she left and I liked Chelsea. She was cool and it was really tough to watch her get treated so poorly in that house.
1: I didn't really feel like she got much screen time until the episode where she left of her own volition. Actually, she seemed fairly genuine. Maybe she should have gotten the genuine award because her personality never really wavered. You know, she was never extreme in any sort of way. She was just pleasant and nice and participated in the activities and probably was the most herself and the most that was like, look, you're not hairy, but you're cool. It's cool that I'm on TV, but actually I'm over this. She was very go along, get
0: along. And I appreciated that energy contrasted to Maggie almost throwing up
1: on dinner on the second night. Which brings me to my second Dunzo award, which is the, oh my God, bam award, (laughs) which goes to Maggie and probably Megan and maybe a couple of the other women that anytime that they're just like drunk and, hanging out at the pool party or the uh what are the other parties the toga party or what's the what's the game where you put your limbs on green and blue that would be twister ian thank
0: you twister or the
1: we twister. know you have a bad back and you can't play twister but <laughs> not for years also nobody finds me to be sexually attractive so no one wants to play twister with me <laughs> and just like Some of the women on here would just get drunk and be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, sir. Sir, what are you doing? Sir, you're so good at limbo. Oh, my God, Bam. Which, of course, is a callback to our Bam Margera. Not I want to marry Harry. Uh, I want to marry Bam. What is it called? I want to slam Bam. No. What was it called? (laughs) That's good, though. Bam's unholy union. Right. Another marriage show. Weird. But uh, it just reminded me of Bam's fiance at the time. Constantly, he'd do something crazy and she'd go, oh my God, Bam, stop, Bam. And uh, Maggie and Karina both have these Chicago-y accents that were just so funny to me.
0: There was a line that uh, our fake Harry said right at the first oh, night yes. where yes. he goes, American girls don't seem to have inside voices. So and funny. So true. so true. So funny.
1: So true. Yes, with all these like basically sorority girls. John, use your inside voice, please. What's your second Dunzo award? I will use my Ira Glass voice for my second. No, I won't. That sounds more like your Dan Castellaneta on the NPR <laughs> station in Parks and Rec voice. But keep going. Jazz on jazz on jazz. <laughs> My second Dunzo
0: award is the hands in face award. And that was for the pageant that they had to do that I physically could not watch because it made me so uncomfortable. So this was one of their quote-unquote group dates where <laughs> God they had a talent portion for the girls, and each of them did something. Let's see. Kimberly played like the floor piano, like you saw in big. Uh, Megan told quote unquote jokes, uh, Jackie hula hooped. That was actually pretty impressive. Oh yeah. That that got her farther.
1: I think she ended up going to the queen suite that night because of the hula hooping.
0: Uh, Kelly did a square dance. That wasn't really a square dance. Karina did a salsa dance. That wasn't really a salsa dance. Are you saving Maggie Uh, for last? Oh, hell yeah. I'm saving Maggie for last because she did the bring it on cheer. That's what that was. I'm sexy, I'm cute, I'm popular to boot. It was a
1: variation on that one. Right, But because she made it a little bit more hairy, specific She was like,
0: you're sexy, you're cute, you're popular to boot. It was like that kind of plagiarism, and it unsettled. And yet if we Al like did first it, one. you'd
1: call it a parody, wouldn't you, John?
0: Huh? I would call it high art, but unfortunately... <laughs> From the slurred words of our dearest, dearest Maggie, uh, it did not come out quite as eloquently. So uh, that pageant was so rough. And then they like walked out and there was a swimsuit contest in probably 40-degree English rainy weather. Ugh, yikes. A lot of swimsuits in this show. A lot of swimsuits. They had him in the same dusty-ass pair of trunks a couple times. I was thinking they needed to get... Some variation going with him. Get him one that's got like jewels on it, you know? Or like, if it's not
1: jewels, then like have it like over the crotch. Be like, let me show you my crown jewels. I do like that they all seemed legitimately put off by how pasty white he was, though.
0: Yeah, it was uh, glaring. I I wore my sunglasses a couple times watching
1: the show. But they were like, oh, I did not like how white he was. But he's got a good (laughs) body, I guess.
0: Once you peel that first layer off, you (laughs) You'll get to the apps. We'll
1: crisp him up good.
0: Well, I think we can be crisping up this show a little bit when we talk about why it got canceled after this commercial break.
1: That transition was as difficult as Crispin Glover is to work with on feature films, so they say. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Ian again, and I'm going to do something that I don't think you're used to your podcast hosts doing, but I'm going to lecture you, okay? Because I see you out there, I know where you are, I know what you're doing. Well, you're listening to a podcast, but you're out there in Nottingham, you're out there in Cleveland. You're out there in Boston, you're out there in Finland, you're out there in Israel, you're out there in the Azores, and you're out there in some places in Lithuania, I can't pronounce, and all over America. And guess what you're not doing? You're not reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. I mean, giving us a review on Spotify and everything else is great, but let's be honest here. I need you to review this on Apple Podcast. That is, of course, unless you don't like it. Okay, back to the show.
0: I Want to Marry Harry premiered on Fox on May 20th of 2014, right after American Idol. But it was kind of like later days American Idol, so not really its good old heyday. It was canceled on June 12th of 2014. And Ian, you might be thinking, wait a second. That's not eight weeks. And it wasn't. The show was pulled from air after four of the eight episodes had aired on broadcast TV. What? The rest of them dropped on Hulu and Fox's streaming affiliates after the fact.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Poor
0: ratings were certainly the cause of it. Uh, It had a 1.5 household rating after its first episode dropped to a 1.0, and it really just kind of dwindled from there. I honestly don't know what they were thinking with this concept. Again, it was like 10 years too late, though. Yeah, It's
1: Joe Millionaire plus a royal that's in the news all the time.
0: But it's a full decade
1: after Joe Millionaire. Yeah.
0: Again, like I think we're just too late to this whole like fake reality show, sadistic, you know, experimentation side of things that we had uh, gotten a taste of in the good old early
1: aughts when VH1 ruled the world. John, they remade A Star Is Born twice. You know, this is how media works. It's just in cycles. They're like, oh well, that last generation kind of liked it. Let's see if this new generation likes it at least 75% of as much as the last generation only kind of liked it. By which, I am not comparing it to A Star is Born. That was just a media works on a loop example. But I don't think this is the kind
0: of multi-generational thing that we need to keep bringing back. And apparently the American viewing audience felt the exact same way. Uh, It got railed in the reviews to us in a surprise to nobody the telegraph said it was fodder for the brain dead but one of the big things i want to talk about beyond the ratings for the show was the way that these women were so systematically gaslit into almost thinking that this guy was prince harry i found an interview with kimberly the eventual winner of I want to marry Harry that she did with fusion online. Uh, This was a year after the fact. And she was talking about sort of what happened on the set. And they asked her basically like, were there any moments that made you skeptical? And I really like this sort of anecdote. She was talking about how whenever they were out in public, the producers kind of ushered them along and were told, Essentially, you need to look straight. Don't look anywhere else because something might give it away that this uh, ruse is happening. And she said, like they said, to look straight ahead. But as she puts it, when you're being told to look straight ahead, you're going to look around. And she saw that there was a souvenir shop that had little masks on a stick with the eyes cut out. And some of them were of Prince Harry. Oh, my God. So she saw a picture of Prince Harry while she said, I saw that picture, realized I'm not nuts. Everybody here on this set, on this production team is crazy. I'm not. The whole time you're confronting them saying this is all set up and they're like, okay, yeah, you're going crazy. You're so brainwashed into it that you go with everything in order to keep yourself feeling sane. And then she says they actually had a therapist come on set at one point and talk to a few of them who were saying it wasn't him. And then they found out later that it wasn't a therapist. It was just somebody from the production team. Wow. Apparently the therapist said... Uh, And this is a quote from her. The therapist said, you have to learn how to trust your mind. I understand that you're in a different country and you don't know what's going on, but you have to trust the people here. It's not good for you to keep questioning. Wow. So this was a guy that they brought in basically to tell these women, your eyes are deceiving you. Keep believing that this pasty tall boy is the prince and he's going to whisk you away To everything else. And the interviewer here is like, Oh, wow, I thought this was kind of more of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just kind of go along with a production team. And she was like, No, no, they were really trying everything they possibly could to convince us that it was him, even little things in the middle of the night. And she goes on to say essentially that there were people for the production who would stand outside of their room. And when you think that they didn't know you were up, they'd whisper, You have to get him back to Buckingham Palace. The royal family is very upset. They're not happy about the show. It's this new thing they've never done before, and they're trying to be up and up with social media and the way that the world is. So they would have cameras in the girls' rooms, and when they saw that they were up maybe going to the bathroom or getting a drink of water in the middle of the night, then they'd have these conversations outside of their room in order to really try to sell this trickery. I guess...
1: I don't have as much of a problem with that part because like you're on TV, it's a reality show, you're signing up for something that's not real here, right? But the yeah. therapist is truly sinister. It's sociopathic.
0: Yeah. In in my view. Yeah, they were told apparently that they were going to be on a show called uh, Dream Date and they weren't really given any details about what the show was. They knew it was a Bachelor-type show, but their casting call was essentially, are you young? Are you hot? Do you want to travel? And people were like, sure. Solid. And they did. So, yeah, that just seemed particularly creepy to me to go so far as to convince these women of this thing. There was also the sort of other twist Two, which I thought was a nice ending because I wanted this for the people involved in it, but I was so surprised that they held on to it for as long as they did. They reveal in the last episode essentially that if the winner of the show goes along with Matt Hicks, knowing that it's Matt Hicks and not Prince Harry, then they both get to split $250,000. And Kimberly does. And so they got the money.
1: Which I got to say felt to me like if they already knew she was going to say no, then that was something that they were going to just add in last minute because (laughs) (laughs) there was actually nothing at stake. Like I really thought, because they didn't say that until the end of episode seven, I think. Yeah.
0: So that it was a, they held those cards for a long time during that show. Right.
1: On the finale, it wasn't just who's he going to choose. It's now, is he going to get this money that he doesn't know about? And neither does she. Yeah. Which felt very shoehorned in, but I guess it might have been true. I mean, John, do you know anything about how their relationship lasted after the show?
0: She said in the same interview, it was 2015, so a year after the fact. Also, fun fact, uh, Kimberly, the winner of the show, said that her dad's English. Oh. (laughs) So I thought that was funny. But she said, no, they are not in any romantic relationship. But she kind of said yet. She gave a little bit of those vibes. But she said they also FaceTime like once every two or three weeks. So they were still in contact with each other. But as of a year after the show aired. But no, I don't think that any actual romantic relationship happened.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I'm surprised that they would keep in contact like that though. Like you'd figure they'd kinda date or just not date and be like, Oh, I, I thought that was just for the cameras. Like, wait, you love me? Oh no. I oh no, 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 no. I'm I'm actually with the yeah. other girl that we kicked off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been <laughs> Whoopsie Doodle. I'm with the naughty school teacher. Yeah, I've been sneaking Sorry. into her
1: room every night. Any other lingering
0: thoughts that you have uh before we divorce quote Harry? Unquote.
1: I love the way that he says, hot tub. You know, we are going to the hot tub and having a lot of fun. But uh, it was always so funny and awkward to me every time he said hot tub. Uh, there was one time that Kelly was eating a hamburger, and someone said, she's eating her burger like a pig through a python. And I was like, swing it a miss, Megan, okay? <laughs> all these others. Great quotes, and I'm like, do pigs eat through pythons? What is this? (laughs) You're right. You were like, this is beneath you, Megan. Last thought, Kelly saying I'm the only girl here for the right reasons over and over and over again was, like, such a red flag. It was like, oh, my God, like, we need to get her out of here because she's going to kill him.
0: Maybe that's why they played hide and seek that one time. Because he just didn't
1: want to be found. He was really trying to hide from her.
0: That was one of the strangest uh, dating show things that I think I've ever seen, where they're in this giant English chateau, English version of a chateau, and he's like, we're going to play hide and seek. And then they do.
1: And it's weird. <laughs> I didn't well, it's like, get it was like It's not really a good way to get to know anyone. You're mostly yeah, alone. Yeah, like running doing away. It. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about at all either is just, like, all of the insertions of, like, the terms, like, Prince Charming or, oh, this is a fairy tale or, you know, all these, like, little things like that that they just kept saying over and over and over again. Also, I don't
0: think she's princess material. Right. Or... Princess Karina. I think it's got a nice ring to it.
1: Yeah, they just really kept hitting those things over the head. Ian, where can people find us? <laughs> uh, you can tweet at us. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube Shorts, Hive Social, the rest, at One and Done TV. Please email us your thoughts, oneanddonepod at gmail.com. Let us know why Joe Millionaire was a superior product. Please, please let us know why Joe Millionaire was a superior product. I would just love for once for someone to email us and argue with us about our opinions, okay? Our opinions are wrong, usually. We both would renew this show. Yes. Which is insane for me. Like, I could see you renewing this show, but me? Yeah. That's too much. I thought you were better than me. I am. I promise. I, I, looked, I believed in you. And you know what? The first 20 minutes I was like, oh boy, here we go. And then I was sucked in.
0: Next week we are going to be coming back to America looking at the good old late night show with uh, Jordan Klepper's show Klepper. In the meantime, clap on, klep away, go klep yourself. The Klepper. <laughs> brought to you
1: by Lack of Hustle Media.